Welcome to Season 2 of the Forrester Baseball Podcast, Behind the Dish. A behind-the-scenes look at Forrester Baseball. Here's your host, Ryan Walker. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of Behind the Dish. I'm joined by Nico Davitt, the hero of Game 4 against Indiana Wesleyan, who is a senior this year from Homestead High School. Thanks for joining the show, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, Nico. Had to get you on. And before we get to the walk-off, of course, I, I want to talk about a team perspective. I mean, a team against Iwu that we lost in a series four games to zero, then we lose to them in the conference tournament. It was just kind of a bad taste in your mouth. How good was it to get three games to one? I mean, we didn't just pick up one or two. We won the series three to one. How good did that feel? It was huge for us, um, especially dating back to last year. And the way they beat us, especially three games out of four in the regular season, walking it off against us, we definitely had a bad taste in our mouth. And we definitely wanted that revenge, and we just came out and showed it. Yeah, you guys sure did. I thought you guys played terrific baseball against Indiana Wesleyan. Still a team, you know, maybe struggling a little bit more this year, but still definitely has the talent to do it. Now let's get to it. I asked the same question to Kelsch on the last podcast. Uh, on his go-ahead home run. You know, I, I asked him to tell me everything that he remembered from the moment he stepped up to the plate uh, to the last moment coming into the dugout. I'm going to ask you to do the same thing here with your walk-off uh, that you pulled the dead right field. So we got that last out, running back into the dugout. I saw them warming up a lefty, and I was hoping their starter came back out. <laughs> and I look over, and he did, so I was like, okay, this is a chance to win a game here. I wasn't personally thinking to end it myself, but I was just thinking don't be the first out. Just hit a nice line drive, get on base, and make something happen. And then uh, I walk up to the plate. Uh, he throws me a changeup first pitch. I didn't like it. It was out of the zone, obviously. And then he comes back with a fastball right down the middle. I just happened to put a good swing on it, and just ended the game and I just saw all my teammates lit and that was probably the littest moment of my life I'm not gonna lie and I was just happy to do it with these guys that I'm playing alongside this year so yeah absolutely and and you mentioned uh, a little bit in that that you were saying you were just trying to get a good good a good barrel on it you know um, and and sometimes when when I when I played at least and I hear it even now here, that players don't go to the plate wanting to hit a home run. And when they do, they'll swing and miss or they'll get under it. And, and it just kind of comes natural. So at, did you think any moment, you know, home run in this instance, obviously it's in the back of your head probably a home run would end this thing. But was the goal just to get on base or any moment you're like, okay, I'm just I'm going to crush this thing? No, I don't think I was thinking at any moment to uh, just end the game right there. I was just thinking uh, about the team, just trying to get on base, make something happen, and hopefully next guy on deck who was deal probably would move me over somehow, bunt, or something to the right side. And so. Yeah, yeah. And uh, after after the game, you had to do the interview with me. Some people wanted – Pappenbrock to get in there who pitched an outstanding game but of course I got to talk to the walk-off hero of course and you mentioned during that interview that you have hit a walk-off like that before I asked you thinking maybe that was the first one uh, maybe that you put over the fence can you tell me a little bit about uh, maybe a previous walk-off or what you were talking about in that interview 
Yeah, so when you asked me that question, I had to really think back because it didn't happen in high school and it didn't and it happened it happened in travel ball, but I was I want to say 12 or 13 when it happened. And so it's been a, a while since I hit a walk off cuz I immediately wanted to say no right away, but then I was like no, I de- I definitely hit one. So <laughs> So do you do you remember it at all? It was a home run. Yeah, it was. Gotcha. And uh, and where was it? Right center. Gotcha. And uh, the location of it was it in like uh, same same pitch as <laughs> what I hit at uh, Westland fastball right down the middle. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, a little uh, a, a little Nico Davitt is probably uh, grinning from ear to ear doing the same thing uh, on Saturday. Now let's talk. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get too crazy here with uh, the Tuesday games against Marion, but we had such a high of the season against Iwu where uh, you win those last two games to win the series after you know a lot of splits in all of these conference series that we've been playing. And then just two days after we hit a low, you know, we didn't have any of our starting pitching really available, but I thought um, they did okay on the mound and whatnot. But how does how does a team refocus, I guess, after – having such a high and then such a low in the matter of just a couple days. How do you guys, I guess, regroup and refocus? Because you guys got a big series against Bethel this weekend. Um, yeah, so the main focus is um, we didn't really harp on it the night before or the night of that it happened. We just basically turned the page as a team. Each of us took it like a man, as Thad would say, or words of Thad. Mm-hmm and um, just came into practice the next day, just focused and really ready to work, uh, turn the page, and get ready for this weekend. Yeah, and we're just three games out of third place now. At, before Tuesday, it was it was getting down to two, but playing, you have three more series left. It looks like, oh, jeez, you, you don't really have a ton of time left, and you don't, but there are 12 games left, and four of those are against Mount Vernon. Uh, how often do you guys, uh, as as a team talk about all of these games are you guys score watching as much as Carson and I are at least and uh are are you guys really taking it game by game with the goal in the back of your mind to win the regular season championship um I would say it's definitely in the back of our mind but our focus right now is just taking it one game at a time especially with Bethel starting with game one here on Friday and as soon as that game is over we move to game two so our focus isn't to look ahead um for each series our focus is just to take it one game at a time play together um have fun and just play the game the right way yeah what are some adjustments that uh that maybe uh, the team or team is looking to make after after tuesday's performance um offensively uh like today in practice we're mainly focus fo- focusing on uh situational whether that be bunning more moving guys over Getting the getting the guy in that's in scoring position, and then from a pitching aspect, I don't think there's really a whole lot we need to do. I think guys just need to keep working hard at, like they've been all season and keep improving, and it'll show. So I'm I'm excited for this weekend. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited too. It's another opportunity against a Bethel team that maybe a couple of weeks ago we were looking at and saying, okay, we definitely can win a series against these guys, and then now sitting in around sixth or seventh place in the crossroads league they've they've played some they've won some pretty 
good games. They split with Iwu. They had a, had a game against Mount Vernon. And then they have a couple games where they split with Goshen. And it's like, okay, this team is really up and down. Their pitching staff seems to be really good. So it's definitely going to be a challenge against Bethel. I'm really looking excited. I'm really excited and looking forward to that series at Forest Glen Park. Uh, now I want to transition to some of the Homestead guys on this team. You got to play with DJ Moore, who went to Homestead, and now you're ahead of the pack with Graham Collin and Grant Simmons. Does playing for the same high school kind of uh, connect the freshmen between other players on the team that went to the same high school, and what is that relationship that you had with some of your fellow Spartans, whether that be DJ, Grant, or Graham? Yeah, so to start with DJ, I actually played with DJ for, I think, his last two years of high school, and then I joined him here as a Forester. Mm -hmm. So him and I were really, really close. We had a good friendship, I would say. But um, for Graham, Colin, and Grant, um, obviously I was older and they were a lot younger in high school, so I didn't really, I didn't really know much about them. But um, I mean, them coming from Homestead, I wouldn't say I kind of knew them or like had a friendship going with them. But them coming here, it definitely, it definitely helped because I'm a lot closer with Grant and Graham than I was before they even stepped on campus. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's a really cool connection and. You know, me being from out of state, I didn't really have anybody to connect with at that point. And uh, co- definitely coming here to Indiana in the Fort Wayne area and uh, being at school in Huntington, I've heard a lot of the Homestead and Carroll battles that they've had on the baseball diamond and, of course, in other sports too, but specifically here uh, that's close to home. Uh, do you remember playing Langston in any of these games? And then the, the second part of this is um, how did you fare in the Charger-Spartan games uh, growing up in baseball? Um, yeah, I definitely had my fair share against Langston. Love the dude to death. But uh, when we were on opposite sides, it was it was totally business. And then outside the field, um, we just kept our friendship and carried it over to HU. And I feel like we've been closer than ever, especially since we live together and see each other every day. So, But playing against uh, Carroll in high school is definitely a challenge. It was fun, good rivalry, and it was just – I don't know how to put it into words. <laughs> yeah, it was, it's, it's it was just, just a rivalry. Yep. Yeah. Uh, as much as Langston wanted to beat us, I wanted to beat Langston. But yeah. in the end, we just laugh and joke about it now. Of so. course, of course. Did, did you know him personally in high school at all? Yeah, so I played with Langston my 16, 16U summer uh, with the Summit City Sluggers. But I knew him before that just from baseball and even playing against him. Yeah. So that kind of helped out, I guess you could say, as well. Sweet. I, yeah, I, I guess I didn't know that. You know, with uh, with being so close, of course, it does make sense in playing travel ball or, or just growing up playing with each other. It's really cool. So now you know this. I always ask a fun question. And uh, in this one, there's, there's a couple different directions I could have gone. So I went to the trustee, Ian McCutcheon, to – to see what I could pull up as you're smirking over there you're probably like what in the world did he say so uh Owen Young actually set, uh, told Ian to ask this he wants to know why you're always uh, stealing Ryan Hale's food like cheese and butter and then blaming it on links and what is that all about uh <laughs> I don't even have words for that because <laughs> they they're on my head so much that I don't even know what to say to that <laughs> I I I I don't know. You know, there's there's so many things that I could say being here for uh, the last four years. But I was like, you know what? I said, okay, Ian Ian uh, has he's been over the baseball house and and stuff like that. Where 
uh, where you're at with a couple other guys like uh, Matt Wolf, Langston Ginder, Brent Turner's there now, Ryan Hale, and and you just you just never know what's going on over there. So I I guess uh, we we have some bad blood here, and I'm I'm sure you're going to talk to them about why they had me ask that on the podcast here. I just wanted to see what that was all about. I just I just want to say uh, Ian and Oi, you both have uh, speed backgrounds coming up. Okay, what whatever that means, Nico. Hey, thanks for joining the show, man, and congrats on the huge home run. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning into our player interview here on Behind the Dish. Now let's bring in Carson Watkins to talk more about Forster baseball. Welcome back, everybody, to part two of this week's episode. You just heard from Nico Davitt, the hero in Game 4 against Indiana Wesleyan to win the series three games to one, a season of ups and downs that went from a really, really big high and a really, really big low later a couple days. Carson Watkins has joined the show here. Carson, you doing okay over there? It was a little bit of, (laughs) a little tough for me uh, last night just thinking about that and and this morning, and we're uh, we're recording this the day after uh, the Marion games, and I was just a little little upset. Yeah, it was disappointing. I think uh, how rainy it's been today hasn't really helped. Um, you know, like you said, this is a sport. Uh, this is a life of peaks and valleys, and that peak was so worth it. I mean, being down there, Indiana yeah. Wesleyan, and watching that ball sail over the fence was just awesome and you know Nico with a great bat flip I'm always in favor of a good bat flip he flipped it he ran around the bases just screaming and we went down there and all the guys were happy and then that happens and it just hurts and you know you're on the air and especially you know I felt bad for the guys and you know we're up there just you know just trying to keep the game moving and it just it was tough you can kind of see it in the guys body language they just you know it was they weren't having a great time and that, that's what really hurts more than anything. You know, they can recover from this, but just in the moment, it was kind of meh. Yeah, it was definitely tough. I mean, uh, yeah, we'll get to we'll get to that in a second. I mean, it was just it's just really shocking after the weekend like that. You know, did the Foresters play excellent every single game? You know, not not particularly. I guess you could say. You know, the bats were were loud and then quiet, loud and then quiet a couple different times, and they were definitely quiet against Marion, and, and we'll talk about it in a second. But, yeah, I mean, now the Foresters find themselves down again, now three games back of first place behind Taylor and Mount Vernon here with three series left to go, so plenty of opportunities. Uh, but those opportunities are starting to dwindle down. They've got a series against Mount Vernon coming up very quickly here. Um, and, uh, yeah, they don't I'm have one. About that one. Yeah. That's, that's going to be, that's going to be something else at Mount Vernon. It might be for the, co- it might be for the regular season conference champion. Yeah, too. It, it, it could, but Taylor's sitting right there too. And, you know, they've, they've got that weekend matchup this weekend. So, you know, you almost, I've been asking the players, they're like, well, we're hoping that they split. And I'm like, yeah, that would, that would probably be my second option. I think, I think the first option I would take is that Mount Vernon would win the series 3-1, not a sweep, that would be terrible, but winning the series 3-1 because all we have to do we all we would have to do all we would have to do is go to Marion and we can or Mount Vernon we can go beat them 
then that would give us the opportunity to potentially win the conference because then Taylor would go down those three games and now we can control a little bit more because if Taylor were to win that series or they split, they're both teams are only going up two games. You know, we could sweep and be one game behind. But if Taylor goes down, then we could move up a couple different spots and now we go into the Mount Vernon series with maybe one, two, three games where you can go and control it yourself a little bit more. So we'll take a split, though, of course. It gets you a little bit closer uh, to that Crossroads League regular season crown. But like I was saying, three games down, and uh, the two against Marion definitely hurt. They're eighth in the Crossroads League right now, and uh, they look like the best team in the Crossroads League. It was really the first time that Huntington had got shellacked this season in conference play, and I don't know. I don't really have an answer for it. I mean, give them credit. On the mound, they just shoved, and their hitters were hitting everything that we threw against them. Yeah, I mean, not much you can do about that. Two, I th- no, a one complete game and one pretty close complete game. It's just, oh my goodness, it worked. And um, their pitcher in game three, can you remind me his name? I'm blanking on it. Um, uh, which which one? The the pitcher in the first game. Yesterday. Damian Wallace. Damian Wallace. Yeah. Thank you. My apologies. Um, he he was just throwing the ball ninety one miles per hour. Jared Gray got a hold of one in the uh, bottom of the ninth. It was you know a little too late at that point. There was a chance. There was I think that was like the second pitch. But I mean that was about all the Foresters could muster all day. And then game two, I mean they were just raking. And you got to give them credit. It's just it's. You know it's unfortunate for the Foresters. You know you can you can, if you if you're a Knights fan you're probably over the hills happy right now uh, how the team performed and hope hope that's for better things to come. But for the Foresters, just not the finest hour, Ryan. Yeah, and I that kind of leads me into the the first uh, topic here that I wanted to bring up and and that's and that's pitching, right? And I'm not gonna I'm not just gonna talk about the Foresters pitching. You know, it's obviously the the kryptonite here for Huntington, but I, I'm not gonna, you know, beat that drum. You know, we we know what it is. We got a lot of young guys. We're trying to replace two uh, of some of the best pitchers in the Crossroads League. You know, Mason Shinneberry was uh, an All Conference uh, Crossroads League pitcher last year, and Alex McCutcheon was terrific, winning that Crossroads League Pitcher of the Year award uh, my freshman year. That's really hard to replace. And you're replacing it with a lot of freshmen and a couple of sophomores in the rotation. I mean, we've started a couple of different freshmen this year, Graham Collin, Tyler Pappenbrock. And uh, you're trying to get production from guys like Jonathan Baker, who all have done a really terrific job this year. I'm really encouraged by, by that. And then you're looking at Noah Arbuckle, who's a sophomore, starting for the first time in his career. And he's I thought he's he's done a really good job in that role. But you're relying on a lot of young players and the, the first point I want to make about pitching um, is the pitching that they've been facing in the last three games they've only scored nine runs in those last three games totaling at obviously three runs per game Damian Wallace who came into the game with a 7-11 ERA which is mind-boggling to me because he's been so uh, he was so good against the Foresters he won a complete game nine innings he only gave up two hits. One was the home run, 135 pitches, and struck out 14 of the Forster hitters. 
in nine innings. It's just that was like one of the most dominant pitching performances I had ever seen by an opposing pitcher taking on Huntington and probably the most dominant performance. And Huntington just could not take advantage of it. He walked four people as well, and he did exactly what he's been doing all season, striking out a decent amount and also walking a decent amount. And the Foresters, many different times, either didn't have anybody on base or they would just not bring anybody in. They wouldn't take advantage of their hits. And then Caleb Olson, the freshman for Indiana Wesleyan, he only had thrown six and a third innings on the season. True freshman, one earned run. That was Davitt's walk-off bomb, four hits, struck out four. And it's just it's just so surprising because they had one of their best starters come out and Brendan Moorhead and – I mean, we crushed them for like ten runs. You know, you know. No, uh, I'm not trying to speak badly on him or anything. He's a terrific pitcher, and they put up 17 runs. And then this freshman comes in, and he did a terrific job. I thought he was incredible, Caleb Olson. And all of a sudden, he puts he gives up only one earned run against us, and that, and only four hits in six innings. I mean, Carson, it's just kind of the tale of two tales here. Yeah, and especially because, you know, I think the, I think what's really clouding our judgment a little bit is the break between sweeping them last Saturday or two Saturdays ago and last night. And I really think, you know, I was, now you kind of mentioned, like, you know, were you upset afterwards? It was really hard to say that because I wonder, you know, I was thinking to myself, what would have happened if we would have played those four games in a row? Same result. But not push to, would I still be upset? Would I, you know, be okay when they split? You know, whatever. I think the biggest concern I would have at this point, this hopefully did not set a precedent for the bats. Because, I mean, they were, you know, like we said, a little silent. And, I mean, he had a perfect game through, what, four, five, or a no-hitter through, like, I think six innings. Yeah. I mean, a perfect game through, I think, four. And, you know, that's... um. That's not what you want, if I can, you know, as easy as I can say that. And it's just, it's unfortunate. I, You know, I don't have the answers. I'm not a coach. I'm just, I like to play broadcaster sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, I have a few good ideas. But overall, I just think the adjustment, I don't know, maybe uh, perhaps maybe clocking up the pitch, pitch machine a little bit. See if, I don't know, what, you know, they set it at usually, if that might make a difference. I just I don't have the answers, but certainly need to get those bats going against Bethel Ryan. Yeah, they sure do, Carson, and uh, and it's it's just been tough those last three games ever since the the seventeen run explosion that the Foresters had, where they run ruled Indiana Wesleyan. The bats have been really quiet, and it's been really surprising. I'm not sure if the if the pitcher from Indiana Wesleyan threw more than eighty miles an hour. I heard he was throwing maybe a little bit under that, but props to him. He made some really nice pitches and, and uh, got himself out of some jams. So on the other side of things, Forrester pitching, and I'm, again, I'm not going to I'm not gonna beat up on these guys. You know how much I love them and stuff like that. There's just a couple numbers that um, I wanted to run through, uh, and I was looking. I was like, man, you know, we gave up more than 10 runs again. It's like his 19 runs, and uh, they're in that 19-5 to loss yesterday against Marion to end the series. They're seven and one. So Foresters are seven and one when pitchers give up four runs or less. So the offense obviously providing more than four runs to win those games. And I can't remember which of the ones that was, but it was a close game. Um, so I'm I'm looking at it now. 
and I counted how many games did we give up 10 or more runs. 12. We've given up 10 or more runs in 12 games. That's close to 40% of the season. And that's probably the biggest tale is that, you know, when we talk about those one-inning games, you know what I'm saying is, you know, that second inning yesterday against against Marion, we give up eight total runs, I believe. No, they, they got one, I think, in the first. But it, nonetheless, there, it was about six runs or so in that second inning that they get. And, I mean, teams just kind of poured on, and, and it stinks because it's like it's it's really tough to ask a freshman to go out there and, and say, hey, I know that they're smacking the ball around, but here's the ball, you know, we're looking to you. It's It's really tough with a young staff, especially in the back end of the bullpen where – Virtually everybody's young, and I still think that guys have been doing a really good job. You know, Graham Collin uh, did a terrific job in his last three games where he hadn't given up a run, and he threw about three innings. He's been walking less, and Jonathan Baker's been really good in conference play. I really liked him. Joel Ledger's been doing really well. You know, it was just unfortunate he gave up the home run there and stuff like that. So, And uh, and the final stat I want to give, and wins this season – Forsters have a 4.90 ERA and losses this season. You want to take a guess? It's over 10. 11.31. And I know when 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 teams win games, obviously numbers are going to look better, of course, but I mean that's a that's a huge huge difference. That's that's seven. <laughs> that's that's seven seven runs more per game. And that that's a number that is not terribly surprising, but I was surprised with how low the ERA has been for a team that it, when they win games, they don't give up a ton of runs. Mm-hmm. It, it, so it's, that's how it's been. It's like you get ups and downs, and there there's a huge difference. There's really no in-between. Yeah, and I think also, I, I don't know what the numbers are. Did you happen to run the numbers on how the offense performs in the losses as well? Maybe we'll have to... Do that on another episode. But I, I have mean, it right here. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. If you want to go ahead. Yeah. So, let's see. And and wins. Yeah, the offense is definitely a lot more powerful on the season. Let me throw it in here. So, in wins, they hit 324. and losses, they hit 242. So, that's, that's close to a 100-point difference. And their slugging percentage goes up by 200 points. So, yeah, they, they get on base and they hit it a lot harder. And they – oh, geez. Yeah. And wins, we've hit 27 home runs, and losses, we've hit 12. So when we when they lose, the bats are quiet, and you know the pitching uh, isn't where we want it to be. But in wins, I I think this team is obviously really good. So yeah, and also when you look at it, if you want to, I mean that this game two of the Indiana Wesleyan series, that was 10 to eight. I mean a lot of these games too, they're just right there. But you know, obviously that's certainly. Something to watch out for, and also uh, Spring Arbor, sixteen to fourteen. You know, some of these games were just wacky, yeah. wacky numbers. So certainly, some uh, questions uh, need to be, you know, looked at and asked by the coaching staff, the starting nine, consistently. Uh, but you know, let's give credit where credit is due. Wolf's bat was incredible this weekend against Indiana Wesleyan. Yeah. Owen Young's bat was incredible. Nico David's bat's probably still spinning somewhere. Uh, <laughs> yeah, still in the air. Yeah, it's probably still in the air, still spinning. <laughs> Daniel Lichty's bat, great. Sasha Wilson's batting and fielding, incredible. David's fielding, incredible. Base pass, great. 
I just, I don't know, you know, I don't want to speculate, but I mean, that, that turnaround was just had to be rough for the guys too. It just, you know, not exactly an excuse. I'm not making excuses or anything, but that just had to be brutal. Well, yeah. And they, they have a, only a couple days to prepare for the next one series coming up and that will segue to that here against the Bethel pilots, a team that um, in my four years here has struggled a little bit in conference play, but this season they're hovering around 500 and they've, picked up some really nice wins this year overall they're 17 and 23 on the season 11 and 13 in the conference and uh taking a look at some of the teams that they've played they took one from mount vernon but they split with indiana wesleyan and even took them to extras and did end up losing by two so they kept that series pretty close then they got four games swept to taylor who's got receiving but or no are they number 25 now i think they're number 25 yeah, and uh, yeah. they, they lost the four games to them. They did keep it close. Three of those games were uh, within two runs. Split with uh, split with Marion in those two games, and then they ended up winning the series against Marion later, winning both of those. They won the series against Grace 3-1, and then they split with Goshen. So a little bit of the same thing <laughs> with them. A, a bunch of highs and lows on the season. You know, Goshen's the... Uh, the team that's at the bottom right now you split with them and really kept it close so it's a team that comes in and they can get hot at any second and it's another team that's got really good pitching Carson and you know that's that smells trouble as three of their starters sit uh, below a 512 ERA Uh, they've got Frank Plezak who I believe is a relative of Zach Plezak I've read that a couple different times and uh, a MLB pitcher for those of you that don't know. I think he's with the with the Guardians now. He's got a 2.76 ERA this season, and then uh, Sullivan Swingley has got a 5.12 ERA, and then Ty Mickiewicz. I think I pronounced that right, and uh, he's got a 4.72 ERA. So that's that's three guys in their starting rotation, and then uh, their bullpens are bullpen there. But again, another tough series for Huntington, I would say, as Bethel sits. Uh, towards the middle of the pack in the Crossroads League this year. So, you know, a couple weeks ago, this looked like a series that you go, okay, we definitely can get three or four in this series. And now you're like, oh, boy, they might be a lot tougher than what we think, and they are. Yeah, uh, Fortunes have also had a little bit of success against them in the past couple of years. They're 7-3 in the last 10, the last two series, 2019-2021, were both 3-1 for the Foresters, but yep. that was that, that was then. This is now. Yep. Very different. Um, yeah, I think getting the bats going, I, uh, dice getting, um, having dice and butts going back into the rotation is going to be great. They, you know, they have, they had to sit down against Marion. I mean, those guys arms have to be exhausted. At least from the bullpen standpoint, the starters are going to be able to go back out there and, uh, and, and be on full rest for the first time in a while, which is really, really nice. I'm glad you brought up that point because now they're on six five or six days rest which is really nice yeah so i'm i'm excited for it i hope it's played here uh hey I, I went down and went for a little walk today after lunch and went down to the, the field seemed to be holding up nice but that was about two so say, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll see if not uh, ryan and i i will i will offer my services to go out there and do whatever i need to do to yeah. get the water i don't know if you want to come with me or not but i'll offer my services yeah um, yeah well you know you know what's funny my freshman year i i think uh we went out there and it was our infield that didn't hold water very well. So we we fixed we fixed one problem. Now I've created another. But my freshman year, we we're going to play the next day, 
and we we had got at the let's see second it was around second and shortstop that was flooded we got like old couch cushions that the team had had and we go out there and we would soak up the water by putting the couch cushion on the water and you would step on it and try to soak up as much as you could go over outside of the field wring it out and then just continue to do it and we played the next day <laughs> so donate your couch cushions <laughs> i guess so you can't really do that now the outfield has a little bit more uh, square footage out there that you have to cover than the infield but um, I just remembered that as you were talking about uh, talking about the rain. I hope it doesn't come down to that point. I just hope that we can play, but we'll see. We'll see if Bethel will uh, want to play through that. I know Marion didn't, and Spring Arbor does. Each team is different. You know, it's dangerous out there. I'm not blaming Marion for it, um, but they were testing out the trenches and stuff like that before the before the games, and we were a little worried that we were going to have to postpone it and you know, ship everybody out to Fort Wayne that same day because Marion made the hour and a half trip. So, yeah, we'll see about this weekend. I'm not going to promise anything or anything like that, but today was really rainy, Carson. And, you know, we talk about weather, I think, every single week on this podcast, just like basketball where we talked about the national tournament ever <laughs> since the ca- the the calendar year flipped over probably even beyond that a little bit we honestly. talked about episode one yeah yeah the, yeah it, the the goal is to go to the national tournament find out more on next week's podcast where we stand as we're two and oh you know so that'll probably be the weekly thing <laughs> we beat missouri baptist let's just mark it down at this point <laughs> exactly I'm, well speaking of which i mean it's not out of the reach for this forester for the forester baseball team either so we need to get somebody to sponsor this weather report. <laughs> this weather report is sponsored by Wayne 15 TV. Well, I are a meteorologist, right? Well, Friday Friday looks good weather-wise, at least for right now. 61 degrees is a high. Saturday Saturday will be a little bit colder at uh, at about 49 to 50 top, which to me doesn't look too bad as long as that rain stays away. I don't I don't see anything here. There there might be some rain. I don't know. Looks like 20% chance of rain on Friday, Saturday zero as of right now. So, it it looks okay. It looks okay, Carson. Let's just um let's just keep praying that it uh, that it goes away and that the rain that's happening today, here on Wednesday, uh, just goes away and it doesn't affect the field as much. Sounds good to me. <laughs> All right, thanks, Carson, for joining the show. We'll be back at home hopefully for a three o'clock start against Bethel for some decent weather and hopefully some Forrester baseball. Thank you for tuning into Season 2 of the Forrester Baseball Podcast, Behind the Dish. For more episodes, head over to Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. This has been Ryan Walker, and as always, Hum Foresters.